All right, what's up, y'all? Welcome back to the pod. Um, today's gonna be an interesting day. Now, today is June fourth, and whatever happened in the Celtics front office happened on June first or June second, one of the two. Um, this is gonna be a pretty. I would call it. I don't know if it's long or short, but I just call it emotional episode because of the amount of investment I have in this team, and because of how like. I mean, for lack of a better term, like violent the shakeup was. It it happened so quickly, you know. I look at my phone one second and it was, oh, there's rumors that Danny Ainge might step down. And then I look at my phone 15 minutes later and it's, holy shit, Brad Stevens is our new president of basketball operations, you know. So that was that was that was crazy. Um, I have a list of things that I want to talk about. The first thing I'll talk about is Danny Ainge as a whole. Um, his career with the Celtics. I don't know when it exactly started. Um, hold on. I don't want to get this too wrong. Because if I'm not mistaken, he made the like Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen deals. Um, oh my, Google is straight up useless. Let's go to his Wikipedia page. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he made... Yeah, yeah. He was NBA Executive of the Year in 2008. So overall, as a GM for us, and as for, I guess, President of Basketball Ops, he was very good. He was. He swung two brilliant trades to get Kevin Garnett for literally nothing and give up Ray Allen for what I think turned into Kevin Durant, if I'm not mistaken. But we went on and won a championship out of that, and then he was able to jettison those um two of those three players in order for a plethora of picks um he was able to go in and get Kyrie Irving when he was unhappy in Cleveland and regardless of how you feel about Kyrie Irving now um that was a a brilliant trade we gave up damn near nothing for Kyrie Irving he was able to do the scouting to draft Jason Tatum, who's turned out to be the best player out of that draft, and Jalen Brown, who's turned out to be a, a surprisingly great player. You know, not a lot of people believed in Jalen Brown outside of Boston fans, and with some, you know, right to that, but he was able to draft those players. Um, Let's think of other things he's done positively. I mean, he traded for Isaiah Thomas and gave him a chance, and that needs to be recognized, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of other things, because I'm going to start slandering him really hard, so I'm trying to think of other things that he did really well, and so he's been there since 2003, okay, okay, and I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, man, Danny Ainge was overall a very good leader for this team, right? He was a very good executive, Um, but he fumbled the bag really since the Kyrie Irving trade. Um, I think that the 2018 Boston Celtics, there's a lot of blame to go to Brad Stevens because at the end of the day, um, Danny Ainge gave him a really fucking good roster, and we underperformed. A roster of Kyrie Irving, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Al Horford was a second-round exit. Granted, it was to the Milwaukee Bucks, who were a better team at the time. They housed—was that was that Giannis's first MVP season? 
No, I think that was Harden's MVP year, so that wasn't even Giannis's MVP year. But regardless, it doesn't matter. We still disappointed, you know, losing five in that series and re clearly not being happy. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of the failure of that Celtics team that we all hate now um, is because of Brad Stevens. I don't think it is because of Danny Ainge. I think he gets undue blame for that. But I wrote in my notes, Danny jumped ship before the explosion, right? And you could argue that the explosion has already happened because Danny Ainge has set us all up for an explosion, right? For for years in the NBA, um, the Celtics were seen as a team that were going to run the league. We had Kyrie Irving, we had Jason Tatum, we had Jalen Brown. We had great young players that were, were overperforming from what they were, and we had a bunch of draft picks. We could go out and make a blockbuster trade for a player whenever a player became available. You know, when Jimmy Butler became available, when Paul George became available, when Anthony Davis was on the trading block. And we never did any of that. Instead, we picked Grant Williams, Romeo Lankford. Um, who else? I think RJ Hunter falls into that too. There are certain guys. It's just Danny Ainge's draft record outside of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown is okay at best. Yeah, Marcus Smart turned out to be one of the best players in franchise history. Never changed my mind on that. But he wasn't drafted to be a, a, a 3 and D high energy guy. He was drafted to be that dude. That motherfucker was like the fifth pick. You don't draft the fifth pick to be a perennial role player. That's what you draft like the 15th pick for. But I wouldn't consider Marcus a bust. I would consider a disappointment. Hell yeah. But he's not a bust. I don't know, man. I don't know. Danny Ainge... I don't know how to feel about Danny Ainge's tenure in Boston. I personally believe that Danny Ainge was great, but lost his touch. After the Gordon Hayward deal fell through and he ended up signing in Charlotte... And and my friends and I disagree on this all the time. This is what happened. I'm telling you. Like, go fucking Google it. Go look at Woj's tweets. This is what happened. We were going to sign and trade Gordon Hayward to Indiana for Miles Turner and a pick. But Danny Ainge wanted either Victor Oladipo or um, TJ Warren. He wanted one of those two along with Miles Turner and a pick for Gordon Hayward. And the Pacers said, nah, I'm good. And a trade fell through. And so we just got a trade exception from Charlotte when he signed with Charlotte. That's what happened. And that was a huge flaw with Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge... I think towards the the end of his career, no longer wanted to. He he made so many like fleece trades. He made so many fleece trades where he just absolutely pants the other team that he just was like, I have to fleece every team every time now. And he he couldn't do that, you know. Sometimes you have to make balanced trades, and it seemed like Danny Ainge was um. It seemed like Danny Ainge was looking to to make trades that he clearly wanted. It didn't seem like he was okay with making a balanced trade. But um you know, I think I I I just personally think that that Danny sees the way that this franchise is going. I don't think we're going to be very successful next year. The year after that, we'll see. But Kemba Walker has one more year left on his deal, then he has like a 44 million dollar player option. 
why the hell would he decline his player option? That's what Woke John was on Twitter talking about. Oh, we only have one more year of Kemp Walker. He's going to decline his player option. Why the fuck would he decline his player option? Yeah, you're right. He could probably get, you know, four years. He could probably get, he'd probably get like a three-year, like, $58 million contract somewhere if he declines his player option. Or he could stay one more year in Boston and get $44 million. Like, why would he decline his player option? If, if Kemba, if Kemba, you know what? Come back to this podcast and catch me and catch me lacking. But if Kemba declines his player option, I will tweet out, that is the dumbest decision I've ever seen in my fucking life. Because his market value is not $44 million. His market value isn't even close to a max contract. You know? And, and to, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know, man. Kemba Walker is not even the third best player on his team. And he's getting paid a max contract. So this goes on, and and Danny Ainge will obviously come up because he put this roster together. But Brad Stevens is now the president of basketball ops, whatever. He's he's the executive director of basketball operations. That's what it's called. He, which was really weird to me. It was really weird. Obviously, his background at Butler was him being a great coach, a great mind. And he obviously had a hand in recruiting. He had a hand on building rosters. And I understand that. So he, he, he isn't exactly coming out of the dark here. But Brad has had questionable rotations in his time with the Celtics. Brad has had questionable coaching decisions as a whole. I thought not allowing Gordon Hayward to earn his minutes when he came back from that injury was a little suspect. Um, the way that he handled that roster in 2018, right, as a whole, was very disappointing. Um, and there just have been a lot of questions about Brad as a, a whole, at least in my opinion, as a coach through the years. And maybe he is more fit to be, you know, director of basketball operations. Maybe he is more fit to build a roster, but I just, I thought it was a weird move. I've been somewhat in favor like like after this season ended i wanted to see some shake up in boston i i wanted to see something happen whether it was danny h stepping down whether it was firing brad stevens whether it was making a blockbuster trade i needed to see some sort of change because it's clearly not working and i don't want to be complacent because complacency breeds failure so I didn't want to see complacency. And I mean, I can't complain. This isn't complacency. I don't know how to feel about this because how we've never seen Brad Stevens in this role before. I think Brad will make a, a, some sort of shakeup this year. I think he has, he has an image for this team. Brad as a coach is a very defensive-minded guy. I think he's a very hustle-oriented guy. I think that's why Neesmith got minutes late in the year. I think that's why Grant Williams gets a lot of minutes. It's because whether you think he's good or not, I don't really like Grant Williams. He hustles. He hustles his ass off, man. So you can't complain. That's why Brad likes him so much. That's why Brad don't fuck with Taco. That's why Brad don't really didn't really fuck with Jeff Teague that much. There just are certain players on this roster that don't give a shit. If I was Brad Stevens, I would have benched Jason Tatum so much this year. Because he just doesn't give a shit sometimes, man. But hopefully, hopefully we can... It's, it's all about the head coaching vacancy, right? Because you can have a somewhat dysfunctional front office and still be a pretty successful team. It's difficult, but it's doable. And if Brad can at least construct a roster that he thinks fits best, and we have a good coach, 
you know, we could mess around and be the fourth seed, right? I'm someone, and I'm a Celtics fan that believes we are a long way from Philly. We are a long way from Milwaukee. We are a long, a very long way from Brooklyn. And I need to see drastic change within this organization. If Brad brings that, that's great. That's awesome, and I love it. But I am very suspect of these moves so far. I'm happy to see change, but I don't know if this is necessarily the change that I was hoping for, you know? Now, the next thing in my notes is a roster shakeup. And this is difficult. This is going to be hard for Celtics fans to hear, but we either have to trade Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart, right? There are three players on this roster that currently have value. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart. I'm not trading Jason Tatum. I may be a huge Jason Tatum critic. I may be a guy that um, isn't the biggest fan isn't isn't you know shitting my pants every time he drops 50 but i'm not trading jason tatum for damn near anything in this league the reason that we're gonna have to trade either jalen or marcus is because well if you trade kemba walker first of all he's not worth his money so you're gonna be trading him for pennies on the dollar but also who else on this roster has value right we have three close to max contracts if not max contracts we have marcus smart's contract we have tristan thompson's contract and then we have pretty low value contracts after that you know and and overall there isn't a lot of value on this roster outside of our top three guys Marcus is going to have to be traded if we want to do something different. Kemba, ideally we trade Kemba Walker. We fleece him. We trade Kemba to the fucking Blazers for CJ McCollum or some dumb shit like that. That's not going to happen. If we're trading Kemba Walker, we're getting back either just as bad of a contract or a worse contract. Or we're trading him for multiple role players. Which could work out, but what team realistically needs a point guard and is willing to take on the Kemba Walker contract? I can't think of any of the teams off rip. Yeah, you might be able to say Chicago. You you might be able to get Chicago to panic and make a really stupid move and take on the Kemba Walker contract and breed them in the fear of Zach Levine leaving because they're not actually competitive. But overall, this roster is going to need to see a huge shakeup and the chances of it being... Kemba Walker's contract leaving this team are very slim to none. If it is, I don't know if we improve. At the end of the day, Kemba Walker is still a guy that averages, what, 22 points per game on mediocre efficiency? Trading him away for a couple role players and a pick is not equal value. Either, either Basically, what I'm trying to say is either we trade Kemba Walker for pennies on the dollar, we trade him away for something he is not worth in order to... Excuse me unload that contract or we trade Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart for someone of equal or greater value in order to improve the roster right those those are the two avenues here that's about all we have is we don't got a lot of cap space and we don't have a lot of time Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are young but we don't have a lot of time the Eastern Conference is getting better and it's only going to continue to get better we we very easily could just get lost in the shuffle you know that was always one of my biggest fears is that we would be like that 2012 OKC Thunder where we had a really good run for a couple of years, but then it all fell apart. It all fell apart. But overall, I just think that something needs to happen in Boston for us to even be, be close to anything. Something needs to happen. And it doesn't look like Kemba is going to be able to be traded, at least not in my opinion.
If he is traded and somehow he pulls some stupid shit off, great. I'll eat this take, but I think that in order to see real change on this roster, we're going to have to trade either JB or Marcus, and that's really sad. Will we? I don't know, but we'll see. Regardless, um, another thing that I've talked about a lot, I've always said that the Celtics are two pieces in a culture shock away from a championship. Hopefully the culture shock can happen now. Now that Brad is out as a coach, because Brad's a mild-mannered guy, he kind of is a pussy, um, and I didn't overall like the way that he coached the team. It was more of a, hey, let's do this instead, instead of a yelling at you thing, right? Jason Tatum has told several stories about him being successful at Duke because Coach K yelled at him, called him a soft-ass St. Louis kid, you know? And, and Brad was just never able to do that. And that's fine. You don't have to be an in-your-face coach all the time. That won't necessarily uh, help each team. But I think to help this team, to help young players, you need to fucking yell at them. You need to tell them what they are doing wrong. Accountability on this team has been terrible for years. And it's been really gross to watch. You know, no one gives a shit about winning except Marcus. Really, it genuinely feels like that sometimes. Jason Tatum don't give a damn. He out there to look good and put up 50. That's it. That's all he do. My fuck is a bitch. So if we can get some toughness, if we can get some grit into this team, it always seems like this team is looking for guidance and we can't find it, right? Because Jason Tatum isn't a leader. Jalen Brown isn't a leader, you know? They aren't vocal leaders in the locker room. They're not going to be. For some weird reason, I feel like Marcus isn't a vocal leader either. And, and, and Kemba is a great locker room guy, but he's not a great winning guy. And I want to win. And I think this team needs to win. So if we can get a head coach that is a great vocal leader, that can really rally the troops and can really get us to, to, to come in and work hard every day and grind out every game like it's our last and play hard-nosed defense like we did three years ago, then I think we have a really good shot. It's about culture, man. It's about culture. Because if you don't give a shit about winning, you're not going to win a lot. How we change that, I don't know. There have been rumors that Kevin Garnett is going to be looked at as the next head coach. Cool. He would probably bring in a hard-nosed, um, you know, a hard-nosed re reputation, I guess. But a hard-nosed attitude. There we go. That's the word I was looking for. F for this team. I don't know. I just needed to note that culture is wild. And culture is something that needs to be addressed with this team. Now, back to Brad as to why he stepped down. This was really weird. It said, I at least saw in the Woj tweet that he said he had been feeling burnt out coaching since the bubble. Which felt weird. <sighs> Excuse me. Because first round against the Sixers, we swept them. We escaped in seven against Toronto in a series that we probably should have lost. Like, if Pascal wasn't such a bum that series, we would easily lose that series. Um, and then we eventually lose to the Heat in six in a series that we should have won at the end of the day. We should have won at the end of the day. And when I saw that, I was kind of surprised. But then I was like, man, Brad's been burnt out since 2018. Brad's been burnt out since the Kyrie Irving year, you know? Maybe that's 2019. Maybe I've been talking on my ass this entire year. I don't know. Regardless. I think it is 2019, actually. Right? Yeah, I think it is 2019 cringe of me oh well i i don't know it just sometimes it see it seems like brad doesn't give a shit it seems like and he gets a lot of technical fouls which is kind of weird he loves yelling at the rest but he hates yelling at his own players 
But I just thought that was interesting that he's been, quote, feeling burnt out ever since the bubble, which was weird because, at least in my opinion, we kind of overperformed in the bubble a bit. I don't think anybody expected us to sweep Philly. There were a lot of people not picking us against Philly because of the Joel Embiid matchup. There were a lot of people not picking us against Toronto. And then ultimately we fell to Miami. I think a lot of people thought that series would be less close than it was. And at the end of the day, we blew leads in damn near every single game. So we should have won that series. Oh, excuse me, damn. Early morning. But I thought that that was interesting as to why Brad got burnt out. And why he's feeling burnt out. Because... I guess that's what making the Eastern Conference Finals three of the last five seasons will do to you. It'll burn you out, I guess. Even though you were one-opped a lot. Whatever. Regardless. As to why I'm happy about this, I kind of already touched on this. I needed some shake-up, man. I needed some serious change to this team as a whole to hopefully, you know, put something on the right path. Because this team is very far from championship in my opinion and so hopefully hopefully this is the shakeup that we needed and it's another thing that there's hopeful change hopefully there will be more change to come brad as you know director of basketball ops is to be determined as to whether or not he's going to fit that role well and overall i can't tell you if he's going to fit that role well but maybe he does maybe he doesn't only time will tell. Hopefully he changes things this offseason. Hopefully we're one of the more active teams. You know? I just... I don't know what to think about this team right now, man. Honestly. And then my ultimate fears. My ultimate fears is a Celtics fan. I've said this before in the party. I'll say it again for the podcast. My biggest fear as a Celtics fan is Jalen Brown looks... You know? Um, sorry, I got interrupted. I don't even know where I left off. Regardless, basically Jalen looks at... Atlanta he says hey they're in a better position than Boston is I'm from Atlanta Atlanta seems to be less dysfunctional than Boston and he goes to Atlanta Tatum on the last year of his deal looks at the roster now there's no Jalen Brown there isn't a lot else here to help him we're not looking as good as we were a couple years ago and overall this this franchise is looking like it's on a downward spiral now he looks over at LA and four years from now, Anthony Davis is going to need a new running mate. Maybe he goes to AD. Maybe he goes to LA because Kobe Kobe was one of his idols when he grew up. Kobe was one of his mentors. LeBron will probably be retired in four years. Like, I'm damn near pretty sure about that. Especially the way he exited this year. And he may look at that team and go, alright, let's go there. And sign with the LA Lakers. Basically, my biggest fear is that Jalen will be a Hawk and Tatum will be a Laker in four years. And we will have nothing and we'll be left to rebuild. You know? I don't know, man. Those are my ultimate fears. Is that either that or the two of them stay in Boston their entire careers and we never win a championship. Because we're just never good enough. We are legit John Stockton and Carl Malone. We are Nash and Stoudemire. We are just one of those great teams that never won a championship together. Durant and Westbrook. Harden and Paul. You know, we're one of those great teams, those great duos that just never won a championship together for one reason or the other. 
whether it was unfortunate breaks, whether it was facing LeBron, whether it was just Gurr roster movements, you know, Gurr decisions that, that, that really just make you put your hands in your head and, and, and wonder what the hell is going on. My ultimate fear is that Discord never results in at least one championship. My ultimate fear is that all of this is for nothing. And now that's not to say that, that it's a failure, you know, because years of competition and years of greatness is still something to be proud of. You know, Jason Tatum is a bona fide superstar in this league. And in terms of where he ranks in the player ranking, I'm moving him up a lot this year. And overall, I think that this this will be a good era of Celtics basketball because we have two really good all-stars on our team. But, and that's that's to the point that it's not going to be a failure. It's not going to be a failure for a competent playoff team for years to come. But it's not exactly going to be a success either because we won't have won a championship, right? You play to win a championship. And if we never won a championship with this core, ultimately, it's a failure. To an extent, what failure that is, I don't know. But that's, that's you know, my total fear here. Is that they leave us in free agency because they realize how stupid of an organization we are. And we never win a championship with this core. But only time will tell on that one. Only time will tell. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to like it. Uh, subscribe, rate it, share it with your econ class. I don't care. Um, side note, um, a second round preview. I think I'll do a first round recap and then a second round preview. I think I'm going to record the first round recap and see how long that takes. If it's 25 minutes, then I'll just release that as an episode on its own and then do a second round preview like right after. We'll see. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Peace.